Welcome to the Accelerant Podcast, where we are impacting thought leadership in the nonprofit community. for joining me on the show today. I'm your host, Saranda West, and today I am joined by Lauren. Lauren is the CEO of the YMCA of Metro Atlanta. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. So tell us, as the CEO of Metro Atlanta, I know that's just a little bit about who you are. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, I've been with the Y for about eight years. Um, and really, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. I started my career in sports marketing and um, right around the Olympics in Atlanta. And that was a really exciting time to be in sports marketing. Um, and I really loved it. But I really felt called to the nonprofit sector. And um, so I, I moved to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and worked with them both at the Georgia level and the national office level for a number of years, but really decided to focus back around 2005, 2006 on really just focusing on the Atlanta community and uh, worked with a consulting firm here in Atlanta called Cox Curry to work with a number of different nonprofit consultants across whether it was arts or hospitals, any clients that were doing great work. And so it really gave me a great exposure. And the why had worked with Cox Curry for a number of years. And uh, so back in 2012, I had the opportunity to come to the why. Um, I came in as the chief development officer. And then after about four years, <clears throat> took on an expanded role as an executive vice president, where I had half of the oversight of the operations and programs, plus development and marketing. And then about Nine months ago, I stepped into the CEO role. So it's been an interesting first year. That has been a crazy first year for you. How do you think, I know obviously for the past several weeks, we have been in COVID-19 crisis. How do you think that your background in financial development marketing has helped in the past month, I guess? Well, I think really every business is done at the local level and it's all about relationships. And I think the work that... Having really worked deeply for the past 15 years in the Atlanta community and having relationships across really all of the sectors, whether that's business or the government or the philanthropic, um, right now, all of those are coming together in a really unique way to help make sure that organizations like the Y are viable and that there is a Y on the other side of this. And so I think my um, kind of network um, that that I've had through through the years has been a real plus in able to communicate. I've been doing regular weekly videos to our members, but I also share those not only with our board, but with um, our partner organizations and our donors because they deserve to know what's happening in real time just as our members do. Yeah, absolutely. And if I were to look outside, it looks like a very normal, rainy um, southern spring day. It's actually April 24th, which I think you will remember for a while since this is the day that the state of Georgia has actually decided to reopen in some capacity. So what is, you know, the past few days leading up to today look like for you? Well, I think, you know, really, if I just take it back a little bit further, 
At the same time, six plus weeks ago, we were making decisions given the fact that it became clear that COVID was not going to bypass any community. You know, we very quickly as a team had to mobilize to make decisions around closing our facilities. And it's really important to note that, you know, the why is obviously wellness is one part of what we do. Um, but if, you know, we, we have early learning centers here in Atlanta, we have after school sites, we have senior programs. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so we really had to um, think, you know, be very thoughtful about and measured about how we wind down those programs very quickly. But I think what made me um, so proud was also how quickly we stood up critical programs. So for the past six weeks, we've been running um, child care for emergency workers, for healthcare professionals, as well as um, for those that are emergency first responders, grocery store workers, folks who are stocking warehouses, basically anybody on front lines that's allowing all of us to shelter in place. And so over the past uh, five or six weeks, we've served 1,200 children at a number of different Y branches. We were able to quickly convert our Y branches in working with the state to be licensed to do um, this emergency child care work. And then we were always in the food business because anytime you're a community anchor institution like the Y and you deal with children and families in need, you're going to need to um, make sure that they have access to basic necessities. We have four commercial kitchens. We had a robust backpack program. There were after school program where we were sending kids home with food that they needed. But this has completely blown up and expanded um, because people really, really are desperately needing access to food. So we have over the past five to six weeks, we have served 51,000 meals to families across Metro Atlanta. Um, if you think about that in context, Truest Park, which is uh, the Braves home here, seats 41,000 people. And so the fact that we've served 51,000 meals, it really gives you a strong kind of visual of, of what we've been able to do. So I think at the same time that we're making decisions about closing, we're also ramping up and standing up critical programs for the community. And um, I think that's what really sets the why apart from, you know, other obviously wellness facilities. This is one piece of what we do. You know, the, the mission of the why here in Atlanta has not fundamentally changed for 161 years. We're here to build healthy mind, body, and spirit. And so you know, when we are called to evolve and adapt, we will evolve and adapt to meet critical community needs. So at the same time that we are now, you know, still running those programs and we are committed, we will run that child care program as long as it's needed for emergency workers. We will continue to provide food with our partners at the Atlanta Community Food Bank and others as long as the need is there. I don't see that going away anytime soon. So while we're doing those programs, we're now beginning to kind of, again, think about, okay, how would we safely reopen? Because we are the why and because social responsibility is a big part of what we do, you know, for us, we, we're not ready to open our doors today. We, we feel a strong, um, we, we really feel like we have to be very thoughtful and measured the same way we were in winding down initially. We have to be just as thoughtful and measured about how we open up. And so right now we have, you know, a team of folks working really around the clock to think through that. Late last night, we received additional guidelines from the state of Georgia around what um, it looks like. And so that's very, very helpful because when uh, the announcement came out on Monday, 
um, there, there, weren't as, there, wasn't, there wasn't as much clarity. And certainly we knew we would be taking temperatures as people came in. We're putting in plexiglass in front of our membership stations. There will be touchless entry. Of course, we're going to be um, spreading out machines and limiting the number of people um, that come in you know, during various hours. But the reality is really everything's on the table. You know, what I would say to people is, we're not trying to return to normal. This is this is truly how do we get ready for a new normal? And, and we have to think about every scenario around that. And so the guidelines that came out are a lot stricter than you would think as it relates to, you know, not using swimming pools, not using gyms, um, you know, really strongly recommending not using locker rooms. Um, so it, it gives a lot more clarity and, and that's going to be really helpful. Our team is really committed over the next two weeks to putting together, this, putting together the most thoughtful plan that we can so that we can ensure the safety of our members, but also of our staff. And once we feel that that is ready to go, we will open our doors and probably slow roll it a little bit. One of the things that I shared with our members is, you know, be patient with us. We might have to go slow and then go fast. But, you know, I, I keep encouraging folks, we have to think about every option and we can't assume that this will be business as normal because it won't. And I don't think any of us really have an idea of what consumer preferences are going to be. You know, the next few weeks are going to be really interesting. There will be a number of wellness centers that open up, maybe not today, but when the official shelter in place lifts, if it's not extended here in Georgia on April 30th, I think a number of other wellness centers are planning to open on May 1st. And I think it will be very, very interesting to see what the demand is. And if you see people coming in, that will tell us a lot. And I think we all have a lot to learn. I don't think this is a time for um, for-profit providers versus nonprofit providers to be kind of guarding their playbooks. This is the time that we all have to be talking and thinking about how we do this for the greater good of our communities. Absolutely. And to keep exactly what you said in terms of just keeping the still society healthy, right? Um, in terms of, and for members, but for staff as well. One of the things that you mentioned, I wanted to go back to when I saw another program that you've been running over the past several weeks, um, was Operation Reach. Yeah. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I, I love the idea of all of the services you've been offering came together really quickly just to meet a need in the community. Those aren't going away just because we maybe start to reopening, right? Like you've got to figure out how to continue all of it at this at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is a new business model, um, right? And um, so the Operation Reach, I, I love this program. So we really started thinking about our seniors. And, you know, if you go into really probably any Y in America, you're going to find in the lobbies, a lot of seniors in the mornings who may take a brisk walk or two around the track, but really they're there and they want to connect with people. I mean, we have one of our Ys, the McCleskey Y in Cobb County, where if you go into that Y, my goodness, at 10 o'clock in the morning, it's like a birthday party every single day. If someone doesn't show up, they call them, they check on them, make sure they're okay. Same thing at our East Lake Y. I mean, it, it, it's, it's everywhere. And so, you know, the why is so much more than, you know, the swim and gym. And it's, it's, a, it's a connecting point for all cross sectors of our community. It truly is kind of that third place for many people. And so we began to think about who are those that are going to be really impacted by social isolation. And, you know, it's our seniors. And so many of them are alone. And so we began to have our membership staff reach out to them 
really the second week that we were into this. And so over the course of about seven days, we reached out to 6,000 seniors and called them and left messages if we didn't get them and emailed them and just said, hey, how are you doing? Can we do anything for you? You know, it was great. Our membership folks, they kind of needed that shot in the arm because at the same time, we're having those really amazing conversations. We're also having really tough conversations. People are losing their jobs. They've been laid off and they're going to have to stop their memberships. And we're asking them to put those on hold and can we work through this together? Because, you know, the why is an interesting model in that a portion of our revenue is earned revenue. And then a portion is philanthropic support. And some of, you know, we receive some, some government support as it relates to serving the most vulnerable children, whether it's foster kids or, or children in early learning. And so, you know, we, we are like, like anybody, very dependent on a portion of our, of our earned revenue, our annual budget from our earned revenue. So, you know, our, our membership folks have had a really hard time because those are tough calls when you're having to, you really feel people's pain and you understand what they're going through. So to kind of, you know, balance that with these outreach calls to our seniors who are so grateful to hear from the why. And, you know, they would say like, I can't believe you called me. I can't believe you just called to check on me and see that I'm okay. I mean, we had situations where, you know, one woman said, um, can you please call my neighbor? They're not a Y member, but I haven't been able to get in touch with them and make sure they're okay. So, you know, yeah, we called them and we got them connected. Um, we, del- we delivered toilet paper to someone's door um, because they didn't have it. It really, I think during times like this, you know, a crisis like this pulls you out of your comfort zone and puts you into creativity zone. And there are so many learnings that every organization is going to need to take and think about how it reshapes you for good and how you can be better. And, you know, the content we've been doing our healthy at home newsletter every morning with obviously um, links to various fitness and wellness classes with our instructors, um, but also educational resources for families, um, information for seniors. You know, this is this changes the way that we do business. You know, we're going to have to continue to double down on, you know, really how we connect and engage with people virtually. Um, that's not going to go away when we reopen our doors. This will be a part of our model in a much more robust way moving forward. So, you know, um, there's so much to be learned from this. And uh, as painful and horrible as, as it is in terms of, of the economic impact and toll it's making on people, there are a lot of lessons that businesses and nonprofits need to learn to be effective and relevant uh, for the future. Yeah. And in terms of like the seniors, I love that program because um, and and thank you through like what our new normal looks like. They're going to be the group of people that are not going to be at your doors as soon as you reopen. Right. Because they would be the ones most at risk. And so just one of the difficult parts for for a why, especially as you serve so many different people across the community. And it's not just as simple as like, hey, let's just go open the treadmills back up. Right. Like it's um, so many people to consider in terms of your impact. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, roughly half of our membership base in Atlanta receives some sort of financial assistance to be a part of our organization and our programs. I mean, that's significant. And so it, it really does underscore. And, and it also gets back to the fact that we're, we're continuing to raise philanthropic funds right now because when we are able to start our programs back up, the need is going to be greater than ever for support um, to be a part of any of our programs, whether that's after school or wellness or team leadership. I mean, that that doesn't stop. In fact, it's only going to increase. And so, um, 
you know, it's not only is it critical that we keep our members engaged and sticking with us because being a part of this organization means that they're fundamentally supporting great work that we're doing right now for COVID relief, but it also means that we're going to be able to um, serve those who are you know, really, really need us on the other side of this beyond the programs that we're running right now. Yeah. In terms of staff, I think that's one of the things that I've been trying to think through. I know that a lot of wise across the country had to furlough or pay cuts and different things. And then also taking into account that there's going to be new process, right? Like even if you think about sanitation or um, all of the, the like fever checks, the things you mentioned before, what, um, what does that look like in terms of your staff and just maybe even the need for volunteers for different areas where you maybe haven't needed them before? Yeah, I think what's really interesting about working at the Y is that you're really, even well before this, you're required to wear a lot of hats, right? So if you're at a Y branch, you know, you may be really uh, in membership, right? But you're also called in to work in the place center, or you might be asked to work in the after-school enrichment program. You know, so the great news is, is that obviously our folks are all screened and trained. And so they have a lot of certifications and backgrounds to be nimble and to be put into different places. And wow, that certainly has been the case during this crisis. I mean, because, you know, we're putting people who maybe was a youth sports director, they're actually now working um, in Operation Reach or someone who worked uh, in the place center, maybe um, doing food packing and sorting for our food insecurity and hunger relief. So I think we're going to follow that same premise. We want to keep our staff engaged. But the reality is the job that you had before this may not be the job you have after this. We may be asking you to pivot with us. And it may look a little different. So, you know, I, I have great faith in our chief experience officer who leads all of our operations and wellness and membership work uh, and her team of, you know, really a fantastic group of group vice presidents of operations and executive directors. I mean, they are truly hard at work right now working with both the national guidelines for reopening, the state guidelines. Um, we're working with WISE across the country. I spend a large portion of my day each day talking with my colleagues across the country and at YUSA. Um, you know, there's a lot of support and a really strong network for how we do this. I mean, I'll give you another example that's not specific to the wellness space, but you know, right now the YMCA across the country is working with the CDC and the American Camping Association direct to create the guidelines for how we will reopen day and resident camp and how we'll safely do that. You know, the Y being at the table really gives us um, an opportunity to help shape that from a safety perspective. I'm on a call next week, along with a, many CEOs around the country with the CDC, talking exactly about what you and I are talking about, right? How are we going to ensure the safety of our members and staff? So I think that our staff will need to pivot. Like I said, we're not returning to the same model of even two months ago. You know, we're going to have to be somewhat fluid, but vigilant in what will guide us is the safety of our members and our staff. And we'll all have to, you know, potentially make sacrifices or potentially shift in what we do and how we think and, you know, just to, to step into those spaces. And in terms, I know this has been all of the pivoting and new, all of the new offerings you have. Um, you've made a lot of decisions and I'm sure it's been a very stressful time for you personally, as it has been for a lot of us just trying to figure out this crisis. And then we have a new normal and we still have a lot to figure out in the coming weeks. So how have you personally stayed healthy during this time? 
Well, I have found that getting out to take a daily walk and getting some fresh air, walking my dog is really good for my mental state. Um, I've tried to carve out a little time every day, um, even around lunchtime, just to take 30 minutes to get out and walk for some fresh air. Um, We are in Atlanta and it has been really nice weather. So we've been able to do that. The other day, my 13-year-old son and I did yoga for the first time together, which was really, really fun. It was not super intense. It was very restorative. I will say that, but it was great. Um, and so, you know, and then I even like went out and played basketball with my kids yesterday. I think one of the... Everyone, you know, has has commented on this. This is not anything new, but, you know, one of the silver linings around this is we are reconnecting with our families and our friends and our colleagues in new ways, whether that's in your home or whether that's through um, socializing over various platforms online. You know, I was I was on a call with some, some uh, CEOs here in Atlanta last night. And what we talked about was, you know, for so long, we kind of felt that our calendars uh, drove us and we didn't always have control of those, right? I, I kind of feel like that's going to change. I feel like people are going to, through this experience, really decide what's important and really begin to prioritize their time differently and not just around kind of family and work because boy, that's all blurred together now that we're um, <laughs> working from home for the most part. But I think really in thinking about the work perspective, you know, what meetings are you having and what breakfast are you having? And is it really, is it really driving the important work of the organization or is it just filling your calendar? And I think that's going to be something that we all need to challenge ourselves how are we going to use our time knowing that, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure for all of us to do this in a thoughtful way. But, you know, again, how do we all create the new normal that, that is going to be productive, efficient, but driving our mission at the organization? So I, I think one of the good things will be that people maybe take a little control back um, and, and focus on what's important. One of the things we were we were just talking about as a team yesterday, because from a DAXCO perspective, we've been trying to move quickly to respond to the needs of our customers. Like the WISE have been creating new programs and we've been trying to just build new tools really quickly along the way. And we were talking through like we've had this this focus and been able to deliver new things so quickly where maybe we didn't have that before. And I think it goes back to what you're saying, right? Like it's easier in a crisis to know what's most important because it's so clear, right? And so how can we keep that focus and know what is most important personally, maybe balance of work and, and life or just for our organizations? Like what are those important things that are critical to our mission? Just like you said. Yeah, it goes back to kind of the, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is that a crisis takes you out of the comfort zone and puts you in the creativity zone. And what I'm really most proud about of, of all of our team members and, and our board and our volunteers is really just a level of engineering I have just seen our team members push past constraints again and again and again to say, no, we are going to stand up this program. We are going to get this done. Um, People are putting in a week's worth of work into every single day. Um, I recently looked at the meeting minutes from our board meeting, which was on February 13th. And I mean, I literally laughed out loud because it was a different world. Um, none of it felt like it was, you know, remotely like where we're, where we are right now. But I think again, this is the time, you know, so often when you're a big organization, um, you know, no matter what type of organization, when you're big, it can be really hard to you know, turn. It's like turning an ocean liner, right? Well, in a time like this, you do have to be nimble and agile and responsive. And it makes turning that a lot easier. Um, you know, kind of the, the long-held beliefs and the sacred cows and all the things that kind of have been a part of the organization, that kind of stuff goes out of the window. And 
there is a scrappiness <laughs> that a big organization like RY, you know, we're, we're a place where I feel like we're in a startup. We're, we're a startup in Silicon Valley right now. I mean, we, we're everything, like I said, everything's on the table. How will we emerge from this stronger, more resilient, more relevant to meet the needs around spirit, mind, and body? And what does that mean going forward? What does building a healthy spirit, mind, and body mean in this current environment and beyond? Knowing that people are going to live their lives a little bit differently for maybe a year, maybe longer. We don't know. So I think that's when, when you lean into that space, when you get comfortable with that and that kind of you're comfortable with living in the gray and knowing that every single day is bringing you a new challenge and you can't absolutely plan for everything. You can control what you can control, but you're going to have to be able to pivot pretty quickly. That's when the good stuff happens. Yeah. And thank you so much. I just want to say, I guess, take a minute to say thank you for you and your team and all the, the things that you're doing for your community. I'm actually just um, a few hours from you in Alabama. So I'm familiar with the Atlanta area and I know it is much needed and appreciated by the community. For those that um, maybe not be as familiar with the why, where's the best place for them to go and learn more information? If you just go to our website, ymcaatlanta.org, we actually have put together a microsite that you can um, find on the homepage. And it's our COVID-19 relief and response page. And it talks about all of the programs that we're doing. And it just you know gives you a little more information. There's opportunities about volunteering uh, with our food programs and others. So um, we'd love for people to check that out. And of course, when we've safely reopened our doors, we cannot wait to see people coming back in. That will be a great, a great day. Yes, for sure. And I guess any final words for our listeners? I know we've talked about several different things and we have lots of uncertainty before us, but just any any, any final words for maybe for, for staff or for members um, or even just your peers that are navigating this time? I would just say, um, you know, lean into the discomfort and stay strong and know if you're doing it for the right reasons, good things are going to happen on the other side of this. And um you know, I appreciate all that you all are doing and how quickly you are responding uh, on behalf of WISE and JCCs and other organizations like um, Mission Driven Ones, um, like like us. And um, we, you know, we, we just appreciate the partners in the field who are, are willing to stand in with us. And thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. This has been um, uplifting for me um, just to hear all the great things that you're doing. And I know it will be for others as well. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Accelerant Podcast. To check out previous episodes, see the full list on Daxo.com or your favorite podcast app.